This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! You have to check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What has he done? Crazy cooter coming at you. <laughs> Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? Whoa! It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another... You sound a little taller on radio. Great afternoon, Michigan and beyond, and welcome to The Drive with Jack. It is the Spotlight Radio Network. All of our Wednesday shows brought to you by Graf of Okemos, Graf Chevrolet, and Graf Nissan, side-by-side on West Grand River. 108 years in the automobile business. Stop and see Matt, Mark, and Greg. They'll take great care of you, as I have on all eight of my leases and purchases. Joined by my producer today, Boston Rob. Rob, did you watch the World Cup semifinal? Yeah, we have the finals that are set. So it will be France advancing to the finals after their 2-0 win today. So France and Argentina should be a heck of a matchup. So great run through the field for mm-hmm. Croatia yes. and Morocco, but in the semifinals, uh, they could not find the net. Could not find the net, and for France, outscoring their opponents thirteen to five in this World Cup. So, offensive-minded France against a very, very good Argentinian team. We talked about it yesterday, but we'll get more into it here as the show progresses. Because I know you got some football and uh, basketball to speak speak about with our guest yeah. here. Yeah, I'm not sure we'll get that much more into it. I wonder uh, if I, <laughs> I wonder if Stephen Brooks likes uh, the old international football. I know you always bring he likes up the, it a hell of a lot better than baseball. I was going to say I'll you bring you up the baseball fact every time that we have him on, pretty much. But uh, Stephen, are you a uh, a soccer fan per se? I I love these big events. I I wouldn't um, want to disgrace. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to. I mislabel myself because I know there's the the real soccer heads that that watch every weekend and everything, but mm-hmm. that's not me. Um, but I do I can I enjoy the game first of all. I can I can understand the beauty of it versus I don't even know what I'm watching on a baseball diamond. Um, but the big <laughs> events, the world men's and women's World Cup, the Olympics, yeah. uh, maybe the big like European tournaments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm always here for the big international events. I wish it was more than every four years or every other year for. You know when it when it offsets with the Olympics and everything, but uh, yeah, love these big events. I, I just can't get myself over the hump to be a a regular uh, follower of like the EPL or anything. Gotcha. Uh, I understand a little bit about that, Stephen. Believe it or not, because I'm kind of like that in baseball. I don't hate the game the way you do, but it's background <laughs> for me until the postseason, and then the playoffs and the World Series. I am 100 percent into it, and I'd rather watch that in college football. But uh, for 162 games, it's just noise. And uh, mm. I, you kind of like soccer the same way in terms of the World Cup and the Olympics. So, Yeah, it needs to go back to the summer, too. It just it wasn't right uh, having it this late in the year. I love it as a summer event. Uh, it makes that summer sort of memorable and cool. You can plan around and everything. And the next one's going to be in North America, so that could be cool, too. Maybe I'll yeah. make a trip out somewhere and go see it. But, uh, 
Yeah, I, I love the world. Drop, uh, uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Need it back at the normal time. 26, I should say. Yeah, uh, that won't be the case. Stephen, what do you think is uh, of greater interest right now to Michigan State fans? This basketball team or football player personnel moves, high school recruiting, and the portal? <laughs> I think it's the latter by far. Uh, you know, I mean, the schedule and things, you know, I think everyone's happy to put basketball on ice for a little bit. I think everybody understands that they sort of need to go on ice and, and hit the practice gym, heal up, obviously, you know, figure out getting the league call back down the line here, obviously probably a couple more weeks away. But, uh, yeah, I think everybody sort of put, you know, put that on ice. And, uh, yeah, all eyes and, my, you know, as far as I can tell, really are on everything football, you know, uh, the transactional stuff, as you mentioned, uh, we're a week away from signing day, the first the first, the opening gates of signing day, you know, the way things are now, it, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a chance it could be a little more of, of a period. You know, it's always called signing, the early signing period, but really 99% of the action happens the first half of the first day. I'm wondering now in the NIL, you know, in uh, world and, and all that, if uh, the portal world, you know, if, if that might actually be more of a, of a couple of days worth of, uh, of activity and whatnot, more than usual. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, uh, and, you know, people are anti right now. I think there's been more more sort of uh, turbulence maybe here toward the end than, than people expected. And so, yeah, there's there's absolutely interest and, um, like I said, a good amount of, I think, uh, you know, sort of queasiness too, actually. And there's no reason that players have to sign now if they're still taking visits, and I know a lot of them are. They can wait till February. Sure, sure, yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, it's always a little – it's always a little bit of a gamble. I mean, cause spots, you know, once these guys sign, like that's it spots filled, you're in the boat for sure. It's, it's only, you know, it's very hard for either party to sort of back out of that at that point. And it happens. I mean, we, we see that every year, but it's, it's, you know, pretty much a done deal. So you, you gotta, it's more of a gamble. The lower ranked you are, the less, you know, coveted you are. Mm-hmm. If you're a five-star, you know, defensive end or whatever, five-star tackle or somebody of that ilk, uh, people are going to wait around for you. Okay. There's always going to be a spot for you at all the schools that are recruiting you. But if you're a three-star, late-developing tight end or something, you know, and you got a couple of schools that are interested, you know, say you got ten of them, then after this first signing day, maybe only four or five are really interested. And then by the time you take your visits and they see you in person, you know, maybe it's only two or three. I, you know, that's just a scenario. But yeah, they, the people have their reasons, uh, different, many different reasons why they push it off or why they take more time and this and that. But it is a, it is a little bit of a gamble, I think, uh, for for guys who aren't sort of viewed as as top shelf sort of prospects we're going to talk a lot of recruiting today and uh player movement alan true uh midwest guru 424 7 uh is going to be with us you see him on btn as well on signing day and uh, we're going to talk with him a little bit later this hour and then darian harris will join us toward the end of the show after we talk with audrey dahlgren so Looking forward to lots of football recruiting talk today. And there's some news for Michigan State. It seemed like some players had gone in the portal, but there hadn't been a lot of players coming back the other way. And now we have a little bit of news on that in terms of a, of a transfer from Wisconsin who didn't really seem to have a home there. And, and now a wide receiver who uh, Felton Davis certainly liked, uh, former Spartan receiver. And uh, he made his announcement today. What can you tell us? 
Sure. So yeah, it's it's a it's a lot to keep track of the comings and goings. But uh, today's you know going sort of um, reverse chronologically here. Today's biggest news was uh, Isaiah Johnson is a three-star receiver out of Richmond, Virginia area area. Um, as you mentioned, you know, similar area to uh, Felton Davis um, coming out uh, committed to Michigan State at his high school. So now he is the uh, elite. Gives him eleven commitments as we stand right here in the twenty twenty three class. Uh, the only wide receiver in the class now, you know, they did have Demetrius Bell at one point. He committed uh, over the, I think it was late summer. He hasn't been in the class for a while, uh, obviously. So Johnson was one of, they sort of uh, refocused their, their um, wide receiver board there and, and had it down to about three, four, five guys they were really looking at. And he was one of, I think it was three wideouts that all came on official visits uh, earlier this month. And uh, he sort of rose to the top there and, um, has, has been uh, you know leaning this way for quite a while. I originally, thought he was going to wait until signing day, but then uh, you know plans changed, and he wanted to announce it sooner. So here he is; he's in the class. Uh, you know, important pickup in terms of position because they were, like I said, lacking a wide receiver. Um, don't think he's a game breaker by any means, but solid, good player. You know, nice pickup. I think he's a guy that would have fit in a lot with last year's guys. You know, outside of Jeremy Bernard, Jeremy Bernard was kind of on his own level, but then you had Gates, Henry, and uh, Glover, sort of all similar-ish. Um, in that sort of range. So I think he'd fit in that sort of group uh, just, you know, to try to give folks an idea uh, where he's at. And then you mentioned uh, Jalen Franklin is a transfer tight end from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a ton of production. Tight end or linebacker, right? He could also be a linebacker. Yeah, true, I guess. Yeah, could could technically uh, play some sort of edge rusher, outside linebacker type of deal. Um, they might take a look at him there. So. Interesting pickup there, and then um, another a transfer tight end. They have a commitment from. Uh, I'm trying to pull him up uh, from Adamola Falei, and yeah. I apologize yeah. if, I'm, if I'm screwing that name up. But uh, close he's, a, he's a transfer tight end from Norfolk State. So FCS okay. football uh, moving up a level. Really, the important thing to know with him is he's cousins with five-star offensive lineman Samson Okanlola, who's right. a big deal tackle in the Northeast in the 2023 class. Michigan State's in his top four. He's going to be announcing tomorrow. So they got his People who say that, well, you can't go from Norfolk State to the Big Ten. I mean, that's silly. Uh, I refer them to Kendall Brooks. Sure. Who uh, sure. made a bigger jump, you know, and, and uh, you get guys all over the place. People can go from anywhere to anywhere. Uh, I think all 11, 11 players now, we said, had committed, right? Yeah. All 11 players know. were more heralded. And Kenneth Walker the third. Yeah, absolutely fair to say. Yeah, and yeah, and then you got the you know the transfer stuff's going to be very interesting because that will go you know that will and can go on beyond the three day window next week and everything. So, um, how many spots they want to use there, what what positions they might prioritize, and just who they can get. Quite honestly, I mean it's kind of a feeding mm-hmm. frenzy in there right now. Um, it's probably you know it might even be it might be a blessing in disguise that they're not having bowl practices and game planning and whatnot because yeah. yeah. there is so much going on in the personnel right. transaction space and yeah. world that it needs uh, their undivided attention. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you mentioned three receivers, and uh, they all already have a commitment from a top receiver in 2024 in uh, Megatron Marsh, uh, and a lot of people think that he is legit. Uh, but what about the three that they brought in that we really haven't seen yet in Antonio Gates Jr., uh, Terrell Henry, and Jerron Glover? What yeah, do you know I think, about that? Well, I, think, I know that they all have, have uh, 
you know, quicker, shorter routes to the field now than a couple days ago, you know, with Jeremy Bernard going in the portal, obviously. So the whole deal, you know, they were they were very content with those three receivers, very content. Mm-hmm. And the plan late in last year's cycle was always, if there's a stud out there, a real star, you know, a real high-level dude that we can add, we'll go with four. But otherwise, we're happy with these three. Well, Jeremy Bernard is a four-star, like, top 200 kid falls on their lap mm-hmm. because of what happened at Washington with the coaching change and whatnot. Um, so they took him, and that, he, he fit that mold to a D, you know, of, of, the, of the type of fourth kid they would add. Now you're back to that, that trio. And so I think that they're, you know, depth-wise, I think the numbers are okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think we saw a, a little bit of Tyrell Henry this year. I think, you know, he might have been a bit of a surprise to some folks because I think Gates ended up yeah. getting his four-star, so he ended up, you know, being sort of considered in that, mm-hmm. that, that other level. But uh, Henry obviously was yeah. showed his stuff on special teams. I thought he was really good as a gunner. Uh, for a yeah. young guy, um, I think he's going to be, a, you know, a sort of slot type of guy. You know, that that could fill in there as, probably as soon as next year. I mean, Bernard was a guy who probably would have walked in and took that starting job that Jaden Reed's vacating. So now there's a position in that top three, I think, for one of those guys to break through. Uh, Glover, I think, has further to go. Gates probably, uh, you know, needs to do some work. I don't know how much uh, activity he got this year, being on scout team and things like that. But Tyrell, I think, is probably the closest to the field. Yeah. Um, he's got sort of a textbook slot uh, body type and skill set to me. But, yeah. you know, they, so does Jaden Reed, and they used him on the outside, too. So I think he's probably going to be the first guy we see more of. There's always a danger, Stephen, when a player leaves, decommits, transfers, whatever. The people say, oh, well, he wasn't very good anyway. You know, I don't want him. Uh, he was overrated. And yeah. when you hear it a bunch and you start to hear it before the player leaves, then you have to judge, well, what's the timing here? Uh, was the staff souring on the guy? Uh, Jeremy Bernard uh, looked very good against Western Michigan, a terrific catch and run for a touchdown. And after that, really didn't do much i think he had one other touchdown but was basically a non-factor and i've, I've been asking about this i said you know when are we can see more of jeremy bernard i thought after that first game well when Jaden reed went out that we would see a lot of him and he was a guy that michigan state did not pursue hard last year as you say he kind of landed in their lap uh wasn't someone that they had recruited non-stop uh suddenly he was there they swooped in and got him looked like a a coup and now people are saying, well, you know, why didn't he do more? Uh, was he, uh, was it an attitude thing? Was it that he wasn't as fast as people thought? Uh, did he not master the plays and the routes and things like that? But I had a couple people tell me the last week of the season that uh, Montori Foster would be playing next year ahead of Jeremy Bernard for whatever it's worth. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Foster has more experience in the system, but it seemed like Bernard was maybe a little more physically, you know, put together, a little more polished and whatnot, because, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he has a longer uh, background there and everything. That was mm-hmm. interesting. I just know this. I know uh, Bernard, I think, the first portal entry, you know, so far this offseason where you went, whoa, like, man, yeah. like, that's kind of a bummer, you know, and we've, seen, we've gone through this yeah. forever. Yeah, we've gone through this for several offseasons now under Mel Tucker, and a lot of guys go in and you're just like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, you know, best of luck to him. Uh, and there, Not only does it make sense, couple. Stephen, the coaching staff was kind of silently applauding. Oh, yeah. I'm you sure. Know, it isn't like they tried to talk these guys out of it. No. 
No, not at all. No, 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 no. So, yeah, he's he's one of those few, though. There's a few in that other category yeah. where it's like, man, that, that's a true loss right there. Like, that's that's a good player. Um, you know, my understanding is, yeah, it, it was mostly about uh, playing time and role and whatnot. Now, you know, again, I tell, I just said it. I think, he, you know, maybe he has to compete with, with, a, with a foster, but he would have been yeah. right there to start next year. And they probably, you know, if the guy starts the year as your number four receiver, like, they probably could have rotated him in more. They probably could have. Uh, yeah, I don't know what he was doing in practice. If he was loafing or if he did, have, I don't right. know anything about his attitude. But if the guy could step in for Jaden Reed as a true freshman and as a starter in week three and touches, catches a touchdown game week one, like they probably could have used. Uh, he probably yeah. could have used some more snaps out there. And that's I'm not that saying I, they want to. They want to run him out of town. But no. I think when you look at at Bernard, he's a West Coast guy, right? From uh, yeah, Vegas area. Vegas area. So. He's closer to home. I get that. He got a chance to play with Michael Penix Jr., who is going to be one of the favorites, preseason favorites, for the Heisman Trophy and showed up on a couple of ballots from uh, media members in the state of Michigan already. And I understand that there's a name, image, and likeness uh, aspect to this, and he was going to do a lot better with that at Washington than he ever was at Michigan State. I mean, it makes a whole lot of sense. I, like, I I haven't actually heard anything about him in Washington concretely. I just know what I do know is he went into the portal with the do not contact uh, designation, which yeah. means coaches can't reach out to him. It means he has it to. Means reach he out basically to knows where he's going, right? That's surely what it suggests. Yeah, or maybe that he wanted. You know, maybe he's not a thousand percent sure he's leaving. You know, somebody in that case might not be a thousand percent sure they're leaving and want to cre- yeah. keep a door open to, to come back to the school. Maybe. But yeah, I mean yeah. That, that's you put two and two together. I mean, uh, all signs pretty much indicate that he, he has an, a strong idea of where he's going to go or where he wants to go. So I haven't, yeah, I've, I've heard nothing I can really uh, confirm or speculate on necessarily. I mean, but that would make a lot of sense, I guess. Um, and yeah, well, I mean, he, he just saw close why uh, you know that type of offense and that quarterback and what that could yeah. all look like. I haven't, I haven't actually heard him myself linked to Washington, but. Um, that uh, that would make a lot of sense if that's where you end up. I mean, he was signed there. He wasn't yeah. rolled there at one point. Right. No, my understanding is that that is, uh, if not a done deal, uh, really close to it. And uh, my question is, with uh, Isaiah Johnson, uh, were they determined that they were going to get one receiver and take the best they could get? Or uh, was the loss of Bernard the trigger for them to go ahead and say, okay, now we've got to get a body in here. We've got to get a receiver. And this is a guy, when you watch him, uh, you know, he's pretty exciting-looking player. Again, who knows what the difference is between a three-star and a four-star. I'm not smart enough to figure that out, and apparently neither are some of the people who do the rankings, or they wouldn't be wrong as often as they are. But when you think about a guy like Johnson, you said they had three guys or so that they were evaluating who were all in. Do you think that they would have taken the first one to commit? Uh, no, no. I think Johnson is a guy that they uh, filtered to the top there. I think they probably could have got any of the three, to be honest, and we'll see okay. if, they, if they go over some of the other ones. Uh, so Johnson part, had uh, said, I, I don't know, I, I need a little more time, and uh, the other guy said, we want to come. Would they have slow played them and said, yeah, you really don't have a committable offer yet? Because you're number two or number three on our chart. Yeah, I, I can't say for sure there. Um, you know, they, they liked him all enough to host them all on official visits. 
So I yeah. think that says something um, when you when you use that, you know, spot on a guy. So I, I don't know. It would, you know, I'd sort of have to be in that room and see like how far away yeah. did they think they were the other kid was? How much longer did they think yeah. that Johnson or whoever was going to take? I do, I, I do. I will say to your first point, it's not. Uh, Bernard related, you know, they were going to, they needed a receiver regardless. As I mentioned, okay. they had Demetrius Bell for a few weeks uh, over the summer, a few months. Mm-hmm. Um, they always wanted at least one, preferably two, you know, one to two receivers has always been the plan. Right. So they needed a guy regardless of what Jeremy Bernard was going to do. So now maybe the question to me is more just to Mar- Bernard for, uh, force the urgency to take two uh, versus just settling for the one, or do you go portal with the other one? one yeah, high school, you take one a portal. player out of the portal. Maybe they find somebody there who's better than any of the high school receivers that they were looking at. Sure. Yeah, that, that's that's possible. Seems like there's a lot of receivers in there, but I mean, I, that's anecdotal. It just there's a lot of players in there. Period. Right now. Um, right. But it does seem like I've seen a, a, most of the, like, it does seem like a, an outsized number of the of the names I've go, seen go in have been receivers and, and uh, back seven guys. All right. Uh, when we look at the number of players who can still commit to Michigan State, people say, "Oh, they only have ten commits." You know, they got to get another. 15 or they don't have to get another 15 or 20 guys. In fact, they don't have that many spots to fill. I was looking at uh, what Justin posted in terms of the roster, the breakdown by year, and the guys who are still there. How many scholarships does Michigan State have available at this point? That, yeah, that I don't know the answer to that uh, question, to be honest. I it's don't like know. seven or eight, right? It's around there, yeah. Um, he had 78 think, uh, names, and I think a couple yeah. had left. So, so maybe it's nine, but it's I do not think more are coming 15. in the portal. I, I do think there'll be more. I don't think they're done losing guys to the portal yet. Okay. So okay. that's a fluid number. Um, but yeah, the, that you could know, even happen after spring, right? Yeah, yeah, probably there'll be. I, I still think probably before this window closes, though, I think we're probably still going to see at least another couple of names, at least maybe. Uh, and then yeah, after the spring, that that's just. You know, that's just a given at this point. You're probably going to see a couple more at that point. Um, Trey yeah. Mosley has announced that he's coming back, right? Yes. Uh, what about Isaiah Collins? Uh, Elijah heard. Collins. Elijah, Elijah yeah, Collins. yeah. No, yeah. I nothing that I've heard on him yet. I, I thought that uh, I thought there'd be something um, from him by now. You know, whether it's I'm coming back, whether it's I'm moving yeah. on, I'm going to the transfer. Jared Broussard, has, he's back. moving on. Yeah. He's gone, so yeah, yeah. Good luck to him. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think they should have welcomed him back if he wanted to come back. I don't know exactly what those conversations would be like, but you're sitting in 2023 without a running back right now. You don't have a transfer committed. Um, they'll probably pick up a high school guy before we get to next week. I'm, I'm pretty, mm-hmm. pretty confident in. But or two, I would take a guy like yeah, yeah, or two. I would take an Elijah Collins back. Just even if he's just going to be on special teams and set the tone for me there. So. I, I don't know um, if it's that, if, if he doesn't want to come back, if he doesn't. I don't know what he what he truly wants uh, out of this, to be honest. Uh, but I am surprised yeah. that we haven't heard anything uh, in any direction on him. I'd be very surprised if he wanted to come back to be on special teams. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, he loves the place. Uh, I would think, though, I'm just saying from Michigan State's angle, like if they're wishy-washy or something, I would like I would palm the table just for him to play special teams if he wanted to come back. But him and Berger, I think, could be a nice one, too. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see how they rework that offensive line and, and what they can do there. If they can bring in a transfer there, I think that's got to be, again, as I said all, 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 all last year this time, I think that's got to be of utmost importance. 
is trying to beef up that position uh, via the portal. So, yeah, I think him and Jalen Berger would be a nice combo if that, if that could happen. Um, I just don't know where, where he's at with it and what he wants to do. You mentioned uh, the tight end, uh, Adamola uh, Falai, who is the cousin of, it's hard to keep these names straight, Samson Okanlola, uh, five-star offensive tackle from Massachusetts, and Michigan State won't take no for an answer with this kid. I mean, everyone says he's going to Miami, they stay on it. Now it looks like some of the Miami name, image, and likeness deals have fallen through, and so Florida swoops in. Maybe the guy likes warm weather, but... That hasn't stopped Chris Kapilovic and Mel Tucker from showing up there twice. Yeah. And uh, he's now, he lists the four schools, and he's listed them a couple different ways, and that Michigan State logo is there front and center. So uh, would you say there's a 10% chance? There's a 20% chance? Or is this just wishful thinking? Yeah, I think right now, I'd, I think 10 feels about right. Uh, definitely, definitely not in front runner position. Probably, maybe not even in. I don't know. Maybe not even in second place. I'm not necessarily sure. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that he's going to be a test case, really. You know, of, of uh, this new world of recruiting. Because I mean, Michigan State's probably been on him longer than anybody. I want to say in that oh, yeah. When uh, he talks about probably. the schools, he breaks them down. And he explains it, and he says more nice things about Michigan State and the coaches. But you know, it's hard to cash compliments. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's he's said openly in the past, like NIL will be part of my decision, but it's not going to be yeah. everything I base it around. So, you know that that we're going to see, right? I mean, like, what do these other schools have to offer uh, in that regard? Now, look, it's not the only other thing. I mean, Chris Kapilovic is well thought of. Mario Cristobal, yeah. Miami's head coach, is an offensive line coach. Uh, Mirabal, right. I believe he has down there with him, is, is a well-regarded offensive line coach. So, it's not for nothing uh, if he doesn't pick Michigan. You know, it's not all about dollar signs necessarily, but. It's going to be fascinating because I do think Michigan State has the longest relationship with him. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't bet that they get him. But the, the fact that, you know, they say they keep chopping on him like that, like he's been receptive to it too. You know, they, they wouldn't be wasting their time if they didn't think they had an outside chance. I mean, that's, that's yeah. a lot of, you know, uh, <laughs> like literal time and airplane gasoline and everything. But, like, just yeah. the uh, metaphorically, like, resources being put into a guy that, that if they, they wouldn't be doing all that if they didn't think they had a shot. He's a guy. I mean, man, if you could do that, because as I mentioned at the top, this is kind of sputtered. Yeah, I don't think people are feeling as great about the recruiting operation as they once were, especially over the summer when everything was white hot, or at least appeared that way. But if they could land him, I mean, at that position, that offensive tackle, a five-star kid, just like they were saying, you know, the skin of their teeth last year with Keontae Goodwin, if they could, if they right. could uh, navigate a soft landing like that with a guy like that, that would be uh, really impressive. So, well, they have a very impressive-looking – Four star. In fact, uh, I've watched a lot of tape on both of them, and uh, Okanlola looks like a beast. But I'll I'll take the other guy. Stanton I'll take Rammel. the kid from Alabama. Yep, yep. He's, yeah, he's, he's uh, good looking. Feet are good. Uh, he looks like uh, his arms go forever. Uh, he's a he's a left tackle, uh, born left tackle. Uh, you know, I wonder if any of the now eleven guys who have pledged. Uh, they're still in jeopardy of getting a decommit. Do you think that those 11 now are rock solid? I mean, I'm sure there's somebody in there uh, that, that could be dislodged, you know, if they heard the right thing, if, if somebody offered them the right thing. Um, 
scrolling it right now. I guess I don't really know who it would be. I mean, maybe an Eddie Pleasant, I guess, would sort of be a candidate, I guess. Uh, he I've was heard... just tweeting again today about Michigan State. Yeah, I, you know, recently, not, not you know, within 48 hours or anything, but recently I'd heard that Michigan had sort of upped its interest in Brennan Parachek and maybe would explore yeah. how, mu- how much they could get in with him. But I don't see yeah. a lot. Uh, as I scroll through this, Stan Ramel obviously would be at the top of that list. I know a lot of people like him, but I think for the most part, he's sort of shut it all off. And Michigan State's going to have to drag him across the finish line, you know, over this next week. But I think they'll get that done. I believe he was the first person that Mel Tucker went and saw uh, for an in-home, in-home visit amongst their commitments, which if it was a smart move by Mel there, like you got to make a statement, you got you got to get that guy, especially when – you know, they, they've lost some of these other offensive line D commitments. Um, that's that's still position group number one that you got to address any way you can. But, uh, you know, high school and portal, I think that's got to be a, a uh, priority. Quarterback. They've got three who think they're going to be the quarterback next year on the roster. Uh, Sam Levitt, who was the Oregon player of the year, had committed to Washington State. Uh, was on campus over the weekend, had uh, great things to say about Michigan State. Some people think that he may be leaning toward flipping. Uh, Do you think that that's going to happen? And if it doesn't happen, does Michigan State sit tight with the quarterbacks that it has? I do think it's going to happen. I get a feeling, and based on some things I've heard, people I've talked to, that you know, closer to him out there, uh, I, I do think, Michigan State's going to get him. You know, they lost, I believe it was their OC, Washington State did. Um, yeah. But maybe it was just their QB's coach. But they lost a coach out there. I know an assistant that, uh, that you know, looks like it's probably going to swing things in Michigan State's favor, I would think. It sounds like he did it. You know, it sounds like they did a good job on his official visit and he enjoyed things out here. So and he's a guy they've been sort of monitoring for a while, uh, fairly quietly, mm-hmm. even going back to, I want to say, like late summer, um, early in the, you know, Maybe a September-ish type of time. He's had a is it, is it fair to say, Stephen, that he's somewhere between, in terms of uh, range as a prospect, Bo Edmondson, who was a three-star guy that they took and then uh, parted ways with, and Dante Moore. Now, there's a big area between those two, but does Sam Levitt fit somewhere in the middle? Yes, that, that's exactly the way I described it on our website at one point, you know, just trying to say, like, hey, I get everybody got infatuated with Dante for a little bit. I don't know how real that ever really was necessarily. Yeah. I mean, fairly this second time around, I should say, you know, pretty since he's been committed to Oregon mm-hmm. in this late late cycle push and all that. But he's, you know, I do think he's better than Bo Edmondson. Um, and he's a late riser too. He's a guy that uh, really really excelled once. You know, his high school coach is a former like FCS coach or D D two coach, something like that, a college coach. And uh, I think in their one year together, you know, it was this senior year. I think the senior year of his was his first year with him, and he just exploded and blew up, you know. So it seems like the talent is there. Just once he meshed it with some good coaching, then he was really able to blossom. So he's a guy who's trending up. Um, yeah, I do like him better than Bo. I don't like him better than Dante Moore. Of course, the number one or two QB in the class, depending on who you ask, with Arch Manning. Um, yeah, I think that's a solid guy to have. I mean, I, I thought it was – I always thought it was going to be very hard, even – but before, even when Dante was uncommitted and they were right in the thick of it, I always said it's, it's going to be hard to land two, you know, sort of studs back to back in classes because everybody knows how much they like Caden Hauser and these QBs, especially yeah. when you start throwing in NIL money. I mean, they're not going to get yeah. paid all this much to sit. So, 
they just don't they don't sit right. weight anymore. They just don't. So it was always going to be hard to get two studs back to back. I like Leve as a guy that maybe could be a Peyton Thorn type who gets into the system, grows, yeah. learns things, develops himself, and you know maybe uh, becomes a factor later on. All right, I'm going to give you a couple of other players before we move on to basketball quickly, and then then we'll bring in Allen. And uh, give me a percentage chance you think that they wind up at Michigan State and your reason for that number. How about interior offensive lineman Keyshawn Blackstock, who's considered the number one junior college prospect at his position? I would say, I guess I'll go, I'll give me, give me like 33% right now. Um, I think Michigan State is in a reasoning. I think they are in a short list. I don't know. I don't think he's looking at a ton of teams. You know, I think he's taken one or two other officials. I just, I don't think it's a very expand. I don't think it's a huge crowded field necessarily that they're dealing with. They seem to be in that top group. So yeah, give me, give me 33% with him. I think he'd be important too. I mean, if, I think he's a guy that can play a uh, tackle or guard, um, has a little bit right. of experience, like you said, Juco young enough though, you know, that he sort of fits the mold with the rest of your young alignment that could sort of come up in a wave. I think it'd be a, you know, Probably the most realistic big get they could still get, I think, uh, you know, this week, this next, you know, seven to ten days. If they were to get Okan Lola and Blackstock both, would that change people's opinions of this Michigan State offense? Absolutely. Well, it would. It would re. It would rejuvenate a lot of that confidence that was in the staff. I think in the program trajectory overall mm-hmm. that was just there uh, three months ago. You know, okay. uh, three okay. three months today they hadn't played. They hadn't played Washington yet. Uh, yeah. I don't think unless I have my numbers wrong here. You know, there was no, so right. much confidence and everything. So, yeah, I think that yeah. would, would rejuvenate all that that has been lost over these last three months. What about the California tandem? Uh, Jalen Barberin, I've heard it pronounced Barberin too, but Barberin, I think, uh, and his buddy, uh, Sean Brown, uh, 6'3 corner. Every time I hear six three corners now, I think of a mere speed. But uh, watching him, I think that he's maybe a little more fluid than that. Uh, what do you think the chances are that those guys wind up in East Lansing? I would say not, I have a crystal balls for both of them, so give me 90% on both. I, I do like Michigan State's uh, chances with both of them. Um, I know they've been out to see uh, Barberin. Uh, Ephraim Reed has. At least once, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, at least once. You know, recently, I'm, I'm sure somebody probably saw Brown while they were in the area out there. Uh, he's committed to Arizona, or at least was. I don't know if he's publicly backed off that or yet, or mm-hmm. if he still is. But I, I think both those guys uh, will end up in the class. All right, and I'm sorry. Uh, what was your number for Levitt? Oh, Levitt. Let me give me uh, 60, sixty right now. Okay. All right. Uh, what about uh, Kedrick Risano, who was a Michigan State commit going way back and then said he wanted to look around and then it looked like he might be going to Mississippi, then maybe not going to Mississippi. Now Michigan State's back in the picture. What do you think the chances are that he shows up here? I think for him I'm going to go dead 50, right down the middle. Um, okay. It's yeah, it's, it's Michigan State or uh, I think it might be Ole Miss. I forget the other one he's looking at uh, right now, but uh, yeah, give me fifty percent for him. Uh, decent shot. I think he ends up back in the fold. I think they've done a good job of, you know, sort of gave him his distance there and then reengaged and said, hey, remember us? You know, we had a lot of good times together and yeah. <laughs> sort of like an old breakup and everything. So yeah, I, I give me fifty percent for him. 
And uh, talking about other guys from the portal, there was a defensive lineman who was a freshman at Texas A&M, played. He was a number 30 prospect in the nation. Uh, he's been around. He's uh, certainly considering Michigan State. Uh, what do you think about him? Talking about uh, Tunmas, uh, yes. Adam Lele, I believe is his name. Yeah, if you say so. Yeah. Uh, he's, take, he's taken an official uh, visit. Yep. So they're right in the mix. I don't. I, I think the competition is going to be higher for him. I think he could be a guy who, uh, you know, I think he could be an NIL uh, deal guy. So you know, the, the guy that they might have to out, mm-hmm. that they might get outbid for is what I'm saying. Basically, I think somebody okay. could throw him a number. So I don't, I, I don't know that competition uh, in and out yet. But give me like. Give me like thirty percent for him right now. Um, okay. Yeah. There's another. Right. There's Does a photo guy I do like yeah. a lot. Uh, Azirian Alexander is a long defensive back uh, coming out of I believe it's Southern Louisiana. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a smaller level again, but he's a he's a, like a six two six three lanky DB, physical. Um, yeah. Southeastern Louisiana, I believe it is actually here. So yeah, that's a guy that I think uh, could emerge as a name to watch. Uh, he's got a couple. He's got a Miami offer, Michigan State handful of others since he's been in the port. I think Baylor, yeah, Baylor got him an offer. So he's a guy that I'm watching. I think his tape's really pretty interesting. They're also going to add a kicker, right? Place kicker? You'd think so, yeah. There's a guy coming in, I believe, uh, middle of this week or next week. Um, last name Kim. I don't have his first name. There's so many. I yeah. apologize if I sound sloppy on the details, folks. There's so many names and dates and places going through my head this week. Uh, but there is No relation to Noah Kim. Not that I'm aware of, no. But his last name's Kim. He's coming up for a visit. Uh, yeah. I think he's a transfer from North Carolina. He's transferred from somewhere, North Carolina. Yeah, he was like a backup yeah. there. Got a handful. of My understanding pass. was he was a very good kicker who was buried behind a great kicker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Was a backup. Had a couple of attempts. Uh, apparently, a you know well-regarded kid. So that would be some a position I think they address uh, some way somehow with with Jack Stone leaving. Okay. All right. A couple of players. Uh, from South Carolina, uh, one top recruit and one player. Uh, in fact, their starting running back is now in the portal, and uh, I think he's a the Matha guy. So uh, we're going to pay close attention to that because Michigan State's had a, had a little history there too. So uh, we'll be mm-hmm. watching that closely. Uh, one last thing about football. I promise I'll move on quickly to basketball. Uh, do you think that there will be an assistant coach in the portal? I don't know, you know, at this point, I, I would guess no, to be honest. Um, Percent chance, you think it's less than 50, that there will be one or more coaching changes? Yeah, under 50, I would say, yeah. Um, okay. Fans don't want to hear that, Stephen. You're the bearer of bad I tidings. Know. I know, yeah, that's, that's you know, mostly gut, a little bit of informed gut, I guess, but I, I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm not reporting that necessarily, Yeah. but that's just sort of my read on it right now. I, I, I I do think uh, unless somebody gets offered something, maybe, you know, I think uh, everybody will probably be. There's a good chance, I think, better than 50% chance that I think they're all back. All right. Michigan State basketball. Uh, They have a week off before they welcome in Oakland. Oakland, uh, very disappointing this season. I think they've lost nine of their last ten. And then they get Buffalo, which is uh, 500 or maybe a, a game above now. I'm not sure. Uh, from the MAC, and then they start Big Ten play with a pair of home games against Nebraska. Nebraska just took number one ranked Purdue 
to overtime Saturday and probably should have won that game down the stretch. And then they welcome Michigan in on January 7th. So four more home games before they go on a real meat grinder again in uh, late January. Uh, What do you make of Michigan State's chances to win the next four and to be 11-4? and Pretty good. Um, pretty. I mean, I think they'll beat Oakland. Oakland, like you said, is struggling. I mean, unless, you know, it's, it's a Rocket Watch resurrection game or something, and he right. goes for 40, right. and then he's just unstoppable. Outside of that, I think they're going to beat Oakland. Buffalo's a pesky team, like you said. I mean, one of the one of the better Mac squads. Yep. Yep. Um, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, they, I don't think they necessarily anticipated. You know, this part of the schedule is supposed to be sort of a little bit of a time to coast and take yeah. your feet off the gas and – then, boom, you've got Brown, who who looks solid for the Ivy League, who had won five in a yeah. row. Like, all right, that doesn't look the same. Buffalo doesn't look, you know, like, like you might expect. Uh, so the, the yeah. easy portion, quote-unquote, isn't, isn't quite like uh, you might have thought. Yeah, I think it's decent. I think the decent, odds are decent that they win all four of those, though, especially with Nebraska coming here. They do look dangerous, but you don't have mm-hmm. to go out there. And, and when does Malik Hall come back, right? Like, is one of those two right. games his return? He'll be back before those two Michigan. games. Yeah. 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 So how much time does he get back to get himself right? Um, and get how much practice time, how much game time, all that factors in. But, yeah, I think 4-0 is a reasonable expectation and, and pretty possible. Did I tell you my Malik Hall story from last Saturday? I don't think so, no. Before the game, uh, players are all out there, and, you know, they like to take those half-court shots before yeah. they go in. It's kind of a ritual and kind of a fun thing. and uh, Not that they ever really need it. Once in a while they do. But Malik Hall was out there, and he wanted to take one. He's wearing the boot. You know, he's kind of hobbling around. So they gave him the ball, and everyone else had gone in. And he shot, and he came up about six feet short. And he wouldn't leave until they gave him the ball back. Finally, someone retrieved it and gave him a second chance. He swished it, and he just walked off the court, and everybody went crazy. Nice. Maybe, you know, it's Groundhog's Day uh, type of thing. He makes the shot two less weeks, you know, two fewer weeks on the recovery. <laughs> He's back sooner than ever expected, baby. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Purdue, I know uh, one of your favorite programs. Uh, big month for Purdue. First, they beat Illinois and they win the West. And uh, then they go and, uh, you know, they trailed Michigan by a point at halftime before uh, – the real Michigan team showed up. And then this basketball team that was unranked at the start of the season is now number one. They lose their coach, Jeff Brom, in football, and everyone says, uh-oh, that's the end. And then the guy you've been touting, Ryan Walters, had led Illinois to unprecedented performance on defense, number one in the country in some areas. He shows up as the new head coach at Purdue. What do you think of that? Very interesting. I mean, that not the guy, not the spot I expected Ryan Walters to land. Um, to be honest, yeah. I mean, you think of Purdue, you think of spread offense. You know, it's plain and simple. You don't think of a defensive head coach. I can't. Yeah, right. I don't even know uh, the last time they had a defensive head coach, if ever. Was Daryl Hazel? Maybe he was a defensive guy. I can't remember. Um, but, uh, no, uh, he, he was but, not. No, you have okay. to go back to uh, yeah, Jim Young. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that yeah. part of it was interesting. I do think he's got a chance to be successful though, because he's. I think he'll be able to recruit pretty well. You know, in that tier that recruit yeah. that Purdue recruits in against an IU, yeah. against Illinois, against Wisconsin, and even against the Michigan right. State in some cases, Midwest, you know, middle tier type of battles. Uh, I, I think he'll recruit pretty well. Obviously, 
all eyes, I think, are on his offensive coordinator hire. Just as a defensive coach, his, his track record is impressive. But that's a program like Wisconsin. You got to run the ball. You know, Purdue. You got to be able to throw the ball. You got to have an exciting offense. I think that's just in their culture and their DNA. So I'm very curious to see who he hires there. But I, I think he's got a, I think he's got a shot to be successful there. I, I like who he is as a coach. I like what he's done so far as in his young career. Wouldn't it be funny? If uh, Luke Fickle's Wisconsin Badgers are more air-oriented than Ryan Walters' uh, Purdue Boilermakers, and uh, those two teams' personalities just flip. That'd be very, very weird, especially here. I'll throw a twist in there with uh, (laughs) Purdue defensive coordinator Jim Leonard calling the shots. How about that? Ooh. Yeah, my understanding is... Yeah. Uh, he had a chance to stay at Wisconsin, uh, decided not to do that, and I don't know what's in the future for Jim Leonard. Uh, 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 some people are very surprised that he's not the head coach at Wisconsin, but they didn't think that Luke Fickle was going to be available either. We will be right back in just a minute. Stephen will stick with us, and Alan True from 24-7 and BTN will be here. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out at Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall or Spartan Fan Shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. 
And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Ebling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or <laughs> batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. Welcome back to the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with Stephen Brooks, 24-7 Sports Spartan Tailgate Premium Site. Rob, uh, do we have Alan with us? Yes, we do. All right. Uh, I've introduced Alan, and so have you. Stephen, I'm going to give you a chance to introduce... Uh, the number one recruiting analyst uh, for this region, some would say for the entire country, and uh, you're blessed to have him to work with at 24-7. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, he's a, he's a man of many talents. He's a very busy man this time of year, so we appreciate him jumping on with us. Uh, but most of you know him as the authority on Midwest Recruiting. He's my 24-7 coworker, Alan True, and appreciate you jumping back here with us, Alan. Uh, I know we're going to talk a lot about Michigan State today, but before we get there, I actually wanted to ask you briefly up the top. What, from your perspective, obviously, and what you do, what do you what are you seeing and thinking about these new head coaches at Wisconsin and Purdue, and just how that changes the recruiting landscape in the Midwest, and, and if anything that you've heard already about what they've been able to do? Yeah. So first of all, I, I appreciate you introducing me as the number one recruiting analyst in the region but as we all know from following this those rankings are can be really fraudulent i don't know who who comes up with the rankings but is there even a number two uh you know we don't know that but we we don't know that but you know i'm not i'm not driven by my ranking i think that's the proper social media thing to say so uh the rankings don't define but the new coaches in the Big Ten. Um, I'm already of the opinion that you have some really good dynamic recruiters on that side of the conference. Um, 
but you have some of the teams with the, the tradition and the winning on the eastern side of the conference. But I, those those uh, western recruiting battles get pretty contentious. So now you add uh, Matt Rule in, who has an NFL background to speak to, and, and he recruited some really good classes at Baylor and was a good miner of talent at Temple. So I think it kind of remains to be seen exactly how that will translate to Nebraska. I feel like Luke Fickle is going to be a thorn in the side of a lot of the rest of the Big Ten. He already Mm -hmm. won recruiting battles at Cincinnati that I don't think they should have won in several cases, and that's Mm -hmm. how they were able to build that program. A lot of that happened in Ohio, and I don't think he's going to be afraid to try to go in back into that state and go toe-to-toe with Michigan, Penn State, maybe Ohio State, certainly Michigan State. Uh, And so he's going to be more active in the Midwest and recruit, I think, with a little bit more – pizzazz than they've done previously at Wisconsin. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I think Ryan Walters is a really good young recruiter. I had already heard that when he was at Missouri. I think uh, we've heard that when he's been at Illinois. I think he's already even showing it a little bit early on at Purdue that he kind of gets it. He gets the social media. You've seen some of the buzz there. Jeff Brom did a good job at Purdue. I mean, the guys that were good during his tenure, the really notable guys, Rondale Moore, David Bell, George Karlaftis, players like that were all really notable recruiting wins that turned out. I think Ryan Walters can continue that. When you think about the returning coaches, uh, Kirk Ferentz back for his 89th year at Iowa, and uh, we know Minnesota, uh, all the energy in that program, just of the West schools. Alan, which one has the recruiting advantage? Which one would have a little more juice? Well, part of the reason that I like um, Luke Fickle at Wisconsin is because I think the Badgers have some inherent things built in. It's a good school. Mm-hmm. Madison's a really cool college town. They have a really awesome game day atmosphere. They have a good history when it comes to development and players uh, in the pros. If you look up and down NFL rosters, there's a lot of Badgers in there. So I think they have some, some good things built in there that, that the right coach can take advantage of, and I think Luke Fickle could be the guy – to do that. I think P.J. Fleck certainly really maximizes what they have at Minnesota. Um, they have an interesting advantage in that they're in an airport hub. So mm. kids from anywhere can fly up to Minneapolis. It's really nice in the summer, uh, and they, so they, they use, have used that to their advantage with some of their summer splash weekends that they do. Um, but I, I really think that you know Iowa has the consistency in the NFL background, and so they get a lot of recruits, but I would watch out for Wisconsin because I do think that there, there are some things to offer there that uh, some of their competitors on the west side may not have. One school we haven't mentioned in the west yet is Northwestern, and it seemed like the Wildcats were doing a lot with a little for a long time with Pat Fitzgerald, and then they get this beautiful training facility on Lake Michigan. It is gorgeous. And uh, now it looks like they're doing a renovation of uh, Ryan Field and uh, putting a lot of money into the program. Are they just inherently behind the other West schools, maybe because of academic restrictions or other things that would put them behind? Yes. I mean, I do think that those academics play a huge part. They just cannot recruit the same amount their their recruiting board cannot be as big as it is at other schools now those academics benefit them in the cases where the players um, can get into school there and have an interest in that they've won some recruiting battles that i think again they probably shouldn't win due to those academics 
Um, beautiful setting. As you mentioned, I've been up there. It's absolutely incredible. I think they're going to flex that a little bit more. And I think that one other place where they've maybe been behind from the other schools in the West is the game day experience that I mentioned at Wisconsin. And they're going to aim to change that. There's going to be a stadium renovation. And so I think Northwestern um, has, has the ability to recruit better than they are right now. That said, I think based on the academics and the type of program that is, that's always going to be a little bit more of a developmental program. They're going to find good student-athletes, probably not landing a Peter Skaronsky every year, but they're going to find players that fit their system. They're going to find Pat Fitzgerald, honestly, what he was as, yeah. a, as a high school recruit and, and mold those kind of guys. All right. Uh, Stephen and I were talking for uh, quite a while, Alan, about Michigan State and uh, during the summer – There was all this buzz about the four stars. They're still uh, matching as many as they've ever had come in in one year with nine, and there's a chance that that number will increase. But there's a lot of skepticism. I say Michigan State fans are, they always think that Lucy's going to pull the football away. They're waiting for something uh, to go wrong. And uh, I think they've seen it with some players decommitting, with other players not choosing Michigan State. Where do you think this class is now? I see that if you just look at the recruiting ranking for for each player, it's over 91, still one of the top 15, 14 to 17, something like that in the country. But with the, the number of players they have, it's way back in the 40s. Yeah, so, I mean, I do expect the class to fill out in the coming weeks and the rankings to rise. I also think, as, as you touched on a little bit, when you fly out of the gate the way that they did, um, it's easy to forget later in the cycle uh, the work that they did. I mean, if all of these guys were just now coming, if you were just now getting Andrew DePape and you were just now getting by Job, I think that that would be viewed differently. Those guys have been committed for a long time. Uh, I, I do think that it, it's going to be interesting to track these final commits and how they do. Um, it, it became a hallmark. It's become a hallmark of Michigan State, and especially under Mark D'Antonio, where they always seem to find guys late in the cycle. If a guy pops up yeah. off the radar at the end of a recruit, recruiting cycle, I mean, they, I remember everybody being upset that they didn't get Keith Nickel the first time around, and so they had to scramble and, and take some guy named Kirk Cousins who barely <laughs> had any offers to speak of. Um, same thing when they had to go down and find a dark West Denard and players like that, it always seemed like if Michigan State finds a guy late in the cycle, he's going to turn out. Now, I still think that they're on. I think they're on the right track here. They're on. The, you look at the guys that they've had for, up for official visits last weekend and this weekend. I think they've uncovered some really good talent that were hiding out there. So you get, uh, you know, the Isaiah Johnsons, and if they can get a Jalen Barber in and some of those guys into this class, I think they fit kind of the traditional mold of late Michigan State finds, and I think that those guys will have a chance to really elevate the class. And even if some of them aren't the most highly ranked guys, if those guys turn out to outplay their rankings, combined with the top-end guys that are already in this class, I think that you know it, it will provide a late boost here. All right, let's go through those players. Stephen and I already tried to do this, but we want your input. Let's start with Isaiah Johnson. And uh, I just saw the tweet from Felton Davis III, talking about him, and I don't know, are are there sleepers anymore? Are there guys who are fast finishers? Uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia Tech are three schools I saw mentioned here that had offered, and uh, maybe he surprised a few people with the decision to come to Michigan State, but what can he offer this program? 
So I do think that there may be the way that the calendar is set up now, there are more senior sleepers than there were previously because now you have kids taking early visits in the spring. And so schools set their boards really early. They get kids up for officials. And that's kind of the first wave or first tier of kids. And then as those kids go elsewhere, usually those kids are committing kind of in the dead period of July. And uh, so you have to, if, if you lose out on some of those guys, you have to wait on some senior, some senior sleepers to emerge. And I think that's exactly what Isaiah Johnson is. Uh, but just a monster senior year. Did it on both sides of the ball. Um, rangy, six foot two, lengthy athlete who I think really could have projected to either side of the ball. And I think that that's what um, a lot of schools look for now, too. You just bring in as much length and, as, and athleticism as you can. But certainly, I do think that he fits the mold. And there are still senior sleepers, and this guy's one of them. I think he, he has a chance to be um, a really, really good find. What about Jalen Barberin? Uh, Jalen, don't call me Conan Barberin. I guess he and Sean Brown were buddies in California, and a lot of people think that he is certainly leaning toward Michigan State. What do we know about him except that he's really fast, track fast and football fast? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's something, too, that Michigan State has clearly targeted late in this class when you look at some of the skill guys and their track times and just even their film of finding explosive athletes. And you'd be hard-pressed to find many uh, as explosive as this guy who are still out there. I mean, 10-3-7, and, and, and I know that it's been brought up that that was wind-aided. Well, if you look at the ones that weren't wind-aided, he's still running 10-5. I mean, he is blazing fast. And I think uh, – so, so, I mean, that's all that really – needs to be said about the kid. He's going to be a dynamic return man. He's going to be able to contribute out of the backfield. And he's not just a track guy. I think when you look at how productive he was this season, too, that really adds to the track speed. This isn't really a projection of, hey, this is a track guy that we're not sure if he can play football. He was also very, very productive on the football field. All right. Uh, Junior college players, we don't think about them as much as we used to. But there's a guy, Keyshawn Blackstock, who was ranked uh, with the best players in the country at interior offensive line, and I guess he could also play tackle. And uh, Chris Kapilovic uh, would love to have a chance to coach him. Uh, what about the chances that he would wind up in East Lansing? Well, I think they're right there. You know, He's a Georgia native, and Michigan State's had some success down there. There's some Georgia guys on the roster. And so I think that helps a little bit. I think uh, Coach Cap has established himself as a very strong recruiter. And so I think he's, uh, I believe he's headed to Florida State this weekend, or, or that was that was um, something he was possibly going to do. So there's still some schools recruiting him. Um, so not a slam dunk, but Michigan State's right there. And a guy who I, you know, we have a separate staff that does our junior college rankings. I yeah. trust them. I think they're really, really good. And they they love this guy. They think he has uh, some pro potential, Six foot five, 315 pounds. Uh, and certainly a guy that we view as a plug-and-play. Hey, Stephen, uh, do you remember when Daniel Barker caught that touchdown for Illinois to beat Michigan State in Spartan Stadium? Yeah, of course. That was a, yeah, how can I forget that classic? And now he is part of a Michigan State team that goes to Champaign and gets a big win. Uh, he didn't catch the winning touchdown pass, but... 
uh, as a, a visiting player, he was on the winning side of both sides of that rivalry. Uh, if Jeremy Bernard does wind up at Washington, which I've heard is is likely, then he would have a chance to be on the losing side uh, of that rivalry both ways. Uh, he played for Michigan State in Seattle, and the Huskies are coming to EL next season. So what you're saying is they need to get like a, a tackle or two from Ohio State at all costs. <laughs> is, is that's what I'm hearing right here. For a lot of reasons. Yeah. Target everybody from Ohio State because uh, you can't get within a couple miles of them. See where they yeah. can get you. See if that, that voodoo plays into it. Sure, I'm, yeah. I'm following you. Yeah. Well, when you talk about something like that, Alan, I think Stephen brings up a good point. We talk about Ohio State and certainly Michigan having won the last two years. Looks like there's some separation there. Uh, how many players from Indiana, Purdue, uh, Northwestern, Rutgers, maybe even Minnesota, uh, would Michigan or Ohio State ever offer? Good question. Now, you don't often see those schools win a straight-up recruiting battle with Ohio State and Michigan. Mm -hmm. It's pretty rare. I do think that you see after the fact that there are players on those teams that can play for Ohio State and Michigan. Correct. Um, And so I think that those players tend to develop or maybe they were misevaluated or they were late bloomers. And Mm -hmm. so it – but you don't see those schools – um, beat Michigan or Ohio State for recruits, but I think you've seen uh, enough examples where you know those schools do uh, recruit at a high level on paper, but they're not infallible either, and they're going to miss some guys here and there. And I think that that's the the challenge for some of those schools. But at the same time, I think those schools have have some. And I won't necessarily say advantage because you still want the best players on paper, but they can wait around on some senior sleepers. I think they can find guys that they can develop. Whereas I think. Sometimes, you know, Ohio State and, and Michigan and schools like that, you get caught up recruiting guys early because uh, you recruit yeah. the top of the national board, and you can make some mistakes doing that as well. Uh, the five schools I mentioned, and I want to throw in Minnesota, because a guy said to me last week, uh, he defied me to find a player in their last two recruiting classes who chose those schools over Ohio State or Michigan. Conversely, uh, he said, is there a player in either of the Ohio State incoming classes, the last two, who would not have been the marquee recruit, the number one signee for any of those six schools? I'm sorry, I lost just a little bit there. Could you yeah. repeat that? Would there have been a player in either of Ohio State's last two incoming classes, any player, the lowest rated player that they signed, who would not have been the number one recruit for any of those other six schools in the Big Ten? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there would have been. I, I do think that there's um, – I was just telling people, somebody this today, because we get accused of just bumping up all the Ohio State and yeah. Michigan commits, but the bottoms of those classes still have uh, a good number of you know, mid to higher three stars. And I do think that some of the other schools in the conference will pick off and have, I mentioned, you know, Purdue having a George Karlaftis or a David yeah. Bell or Ron Neil Moore from time to time. Yeah. Minnesota's had some guys like that. Um, Rashad George Bateman. Karlaftis, Michigan really wanted him. Right. Ohio State wanted him. There was, he, he was heavily recruited. Um, 
Rashad Bateman had schools from around the country trying to poach him from Minnesota. He ended up okay. as a pretty high four-star recruit. Um, you know, Marquise Irving, who ended up transferring out of Minnesota after playing as a true freshman, he was a highly ranked national recruit. So, so you know, uh, Wisconsin had Logan Brown, who was the number one player in the state of Michigan. Um, and, and so you'll see those schools pull in some guys like that at the tops of the classes. They, they, they maybe it scales downward faster. They don't have the same depth of four- and five-star guys right. that uh, some of the other schools sign. But they, usually at the top of the class, you have a few guys who I think could play for anybody in the conference. Okay, that's good to know. Uh, in terms of name, image, and likeness and what we're going to see with this, of the five-star recruits in 24-7, what do you think the average name, image, and likeness hall might be for one of those players? Are we talking about over a million bucks? Are we talking about uh, several hundred thousand dollars? I think if you're talking five stars on average, I would have to think that. And, and a couple at the top are going to pull up that average. I would have to think that you're getting you're, you're dancing around that million-dollar mark. Now, I will say that okay. that information sometimes is hard to come by. Yep. The exact numbers are hard to come by. And I have to be honest, as a recruiting reporter, I'm not overly interested in asking these players what they're getting. <laughs> so it is conjecture on my part. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty – meat and potatoes hey what schools have offered you where are you yeah. looking where are you visiting yeah. kind of guy not uh, well how many millions are you pulling in in nil but um based on what i've heard and some of the the rumored numbers i would think they would average it would average out i mean with the top of the class you've heard about the rumors of players getting upwards of eight million dollars um you're, you're you're pulling the average up pretty good right there so steven let's say uh michigan state could land uh, and an elite player, a five-star, a guy who everyone in the country wanted. And, uh, you know, let's pick your position. Let's say quarterback just um, as an example. What about a guy who's already on campus, who has started two years, who has the season record for touchdown passes? How does he react if maybe all of his name, image, and likeness deals come out to less than six figures – and somebody comes in at over a mill. What does that do to your locker room? I think that's a great question. You know, I mean, I, I think it depends on the on the character and the, the personality of the, of the kid getting the money. You know, it probably takes a certain sort of, a, you know, strong-willed dude to, to sort of handle that walking into an environment like that because everyone's going to know. And I think that is the question, and that is the concern. That's why places like, you know, it's among the other reasons. You know, some people can't aren't spending because they can't spend. Uh, but some people are making choices like that because of that exact scenario that you laid out, where it's more of a come here and here's what you can get if you show us something. If you make yourself yeah. something, we're not going to ha- you know we're not going to dangle a half million to get you here maybe necessarily, but it'll be here if you come here and produce. Look at our running back here. Here's what he had. Here's what he made. Here's how many cars he had. Here's our quarterback. Look what he did. You know, in the NIL space. <laughs> I think that's that's a little more of Michigan State's uh, approach right now. And uh, you know, for the time being, I think it's probably. Prudent, you know. I mean, you might you're, you're gonna you're gonna take some losses. There's no might there, but you know, is it better is it better to maybe slow play and take some losses and then not have you know a 20 man freshman class transfer out after one year, hypothetically speaking? Alan, a lot of people had said I can go to an NFL game and boo my ass off and feel good about it, but if I go to a college game, you know, I get it. These are still young kids. Uh, they're still going to class theoretically. 
you, you can understand if they make a mistake or they overthrow a receiver. But if they're making a million plus a year, and, you know, I'm working my job and I'm making 42000 then I don't feel the same way about these college football athletes that I used to. Do you think we're going to see some of that? I think that we could. Now, I will say this, college football fans, I don't know that they were holding back their opinions and their booze. <laughs> anyway, based on what I've seeing on Twitter when a kid decommits or doesn't choose their <laughs> right, school, right. I'm not sure that they were. They let them have it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there was any real diplomacy there. So I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't think it sh- will change anything. I don't think that it should necessarily because I think that even though these players are now making NIL money, they're still kids. Yeah. They're still in development. And I think that's the yeah. biggest part of this is that they're coming out of high school, which you're, you're not full-time football players at this point. And when you're in college, you're still not full-time football players. You don't dedicate every waking hour to this. You dedicate a lot of hours to it, but they're still going to class. They're still doing other things, I think, at the professional level because that is now fully your job and you have nothing else. You don't have papers to turn in. You don't have classes to go to. I still think that that makes the difference more so than the money, but I know that I'm probably kind of um, (laughs) screaming into a chamber there. Stephen Brooks and Alan True, 24-7 Sports. And if you want to follow recruiting, and uh, this is the time to do it, if you're ever going to do it, uh, and the portal, uh, they're the guys to read. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, We're going to be joined by Audrey Dahlgren of WLNS Channel 6 and Darian Harris from Michigan State Football. Coming up next on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you, right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small-town thing, but it's big-time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter and Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two for $38 tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out in Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall or Spartan Fan Shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, They have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. 
Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. Welcome back to The Drive with Jack. Jack Eblen here with my producer, Boston Rob. Let's go right out to our guest line, waiting patiently. Very, very busy lady. Audrey Dahlgren. She is the lead anchor and sports director, WLNS. Channel 6 here in Lansing. Also frequent contributor to Big Ten Network. And you saw her on Saturdays and uh, a Sunday not long ago in Columbus, Ohio. How you doing, Aud? Hey, Jack. I'm great today. How are you? Good. You know, I was talking to you over the weekend, and once again, uh, you have a very difficult problem. You can't clone yourself. And (laughs) uh, that meant you couldn't be at three things at once. But I know, I know how you feel about hockey. And uh, I really wish you could have seen the environment Friday night at Munn. It was the best that I had seen, and I think... Kepke agreed with me, uh, in East Lansing since 2007. Well, I know. I was really bummed about that because we had high school basketball that night, and it was the yeah. first night of both the boys and the girls because the week one of the boys' season was last week. So, you know, with the game being on Big Ten Network, it was one of those situations where, you know, you kind of have to 
plan your coverage a little bit differently because of all the high school games going on. And, uh, yeah, we were not actually in the building on a Saturday or Friday night for that game. But the one thing that I thought was super cool, you know, looking at posts on Twitter and people putting yeah. things out there, is everybody always used to talk about when the, the line to get into Munn was almost to the Breslin Center. And yes. someone had posted a video on their Twitter. I don't know. I don't remember who it was, but I remember seeing it. And the student section line was just almost nearly wrapped around the building. And I thought, how cool is that? Odd, it was interesting because especially when you have a 6.30 game, uh, it's early and some people are just getting home and, you know, they got a babysitter or they got to get fed or something. And, you know, they would wander in a little bit late. And then depending on the way the game had gone, a lot of times in recent years, they filed out sometime in the third period. They were there in their seats when the players came onto the ice and the vast majority, I'd say 90% of them, stayed until the players did their stick pound uh, out at the center of the ice. So uh, it was a flashback to old times, and I never thought I would saw uh, see uh, Michigan State, at least not this year, outshoot Michigan by 19 in a two-game series. Yeah, I mean, they were really, you know, and I kind of, I kind of credit that, actually, to the Minnesota series. For them to be going up against a team as dominant as Minnesota – I think that that was a really good warm-up, a tune-up series for Michigan, especially for Dylan St. Cyr, because he faced a number of shots against the Gophers, and I just think it was a really good – that's actually something that we Adam Nightingale and I talked about on the uh, MSC Federal Credit Union Coaches Show that last week, is how, you know, when you're facing so many rapid-fire shots the way that he was against Minnesota, it actually is a good thing because – you know, if you're just kind of sitting there and there's not a lot going on in front of the net, you know, you, you know, it might get a little stagnant. But when it's just coming at you rapid fire like that, you know, I, I think it was a good tune-up for him for Michigan. So what do you make of this team? And no one is saying it's going to be in the Frozen Four. But it is eighth in the pairwise. It's 11th in both polls. And for a program that was not ranked and was – picked to finish last in a seven-team league. I don't know that anyone saw this coming. No, I don't think so. I thought that they – I thought people – I mean, I think people thought that they might have um, a little bit of success, but nobody really knew based upon the brand-new coaching staff. They have a lot of, new, you know, a lot of new faces on the roster. And just with how last year transpired, especially against a team like Michigan, losing yeah. all six of those games – you know, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of people knew what to expect, but the style in which they play is a lot different than it was yes. last year. And yes. I think that if they can continue up, they're going to continue to you know only improve in that area. Uh, you know, be faster with the puck. And I, I think that you know they do have maybe some more, um, like they're, you know some more forwards who are a little bit more offensive, a little more savvy on offense. So I think that that is a huge benefit for them. Um, you know, I think the real test will be to another real test will be coming up soon after the after the break here, the GLI, and yeah. then ultimately, you know, what they can do in the Big Ten tournament. I think that will be a really good indicator of what they could do maybe further on in the postseason. Michigan and Michigan State scored three goals last weekend. Uh, swapping a pair of two-to-one home wins. 
So it's not like Michigan State had a, a huge offensive explosion. But the thing that was amazing was to watch Michigan odd on Friday night trailing by a goal. And normally you would think, uh-oh, hang on, because, you know, they're going to be firing 22 shots at the, the netminder. And they got five shots. Yeah. And that's good, you know, and, and that was another thing that last year, the decor, they needed to be a little bit better on defense. And I think that they're playing better on defense this year, um, you know, so that you're just not leaving, you know, the goalie out high and dry. I think you saw that a lot last year where there were some goals in front of the net that, you know, or even in the zone that probably could have been avoided if, you know, the defense would have been a little bit better. <laughs> uh, there was a time uh, you were – very, very young, or uh, not around yet, uh, when Michigan State hockey was a more treasured ticket than Michigan State basketball. When do you think we could get to a point that, uh, for the average Spartan fan, uh, they would just as soon be in Munn as Breslin? I think there's, I mean, that's a good question, because I don't remember hockey ever being you know i mean actually i take that back uh back in you know in in the mid 2000s i was in school at that time so yeah um i I do remember the buzzer in in that way but i feel like people have just always gravitated over the last decade two decades to basketball um to the breslin and i think as long as tom Izzo is head coach of the basketball team i don't think that hockey will be a bigger ticket than basketball. I think think you have to go back to maybe 97, uh, roughly 25 years when people used to wait and get hockey tickets willed to them when someone died. And when every game at Munn had standing room only three deep uh, around those walls behind the seats uh, you know, then you think about what it was like in some games recently. That's hard to envision. But uh, for people who were around in those days, you could get basketball tickets. Uh, the end of the Heathcote era and the beginning of Tom's time here. I'll never forget the first year, Odd. Indiana came in. And Tom came out. You know, he likes to come out for warm-ups and mm-hmm. sit on the bench and watch. And he nearly cried. He came off the off the court and he grabbed me and we went into one of those little side rooms in the hallway there and he was screaming about all the Indiana fans and probably 40% of the crowd were wearing red sweaters and that made him so mad and motivated him you know how how motivated he gets with challenges mm-hmm. and that that never happened again <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, no, if, when he sets his mind to something, it'll happen. So I, I believe that. When do you think we will see Malik Hall? I was telling Stephen the story about Saturday when uh, players are coming off the court and he wanted to take a half-court shot, missed it, and he wanted the ball back. He wouldn't leave until he got it. And then he swished the shot, and the crowd went crazy. When do you think we'll see him in uniform? I saw that shot too, Jack. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, I don't think it will be in the Oakland game, um, you know, because based upon the timeline of events of yeah. just listening to Izzo talk about him and, the in, you know, the injury that he has right now and kind of the timetable of it, they said at least not till after Christmas. 
So definitely won't be back for the Oakland game next week. And I would imagine probably maybe mm, like Mm -hmm. mid-January-ish, around that time, maybe back in time for Michigan, the Michigan game on Saturday, Mm -hmm. January 7th. I could right. see him, 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 him coming back. Maybe that game, um, the most. What did Michigan State show you after the uh, somewhat embarrassing loss at home to Northwestern to go on the road to Penn State, a team that had been playing very well, and then uh, that team went to Illinois and uh, beat the Illini by fifteen on Saturday, but. Uh, for Michigan State to outscore uh, the Nittany Lions 61-42 over the last 30 minutes of that game, uh, what did that show you about the team's resolve? Well, they have a heck of a resolve because they, you know, <laughs> before they left, before they left to go there, and Izzo mentioned in his press conference that they were dead. I mean, he literally yeah. said that. He goes, "We are dead." And he and yeah. you know I know he you know he's tired through that stretch, right. and I, I think it did show an incredible amount of resolve, especially when it comes to AJ Hogard. Um, yeah. Benching him for the Northwestern game, I yeah. think really uh, resonated with him, and he, you know he understands sort of you know if you want to be the extension of Izzo on the floor in that point guard position, you you need to you need to do things a little differently. And I think that maybe from a maturity standpoint, you know, that, that clicked with him a little bit. Um, and as Izzo had mentioned, you know, Oh geez, he lost weight. His free throws are getting better. This is happening. And Oh yeah. wow. All of a sudden automatically he's, you know, his game is getting better and we're doing better. You know, it all correlates to each other. And I think that, you know, for him to have a game like that at Penn state was very influential for them also showed, you know, the resolve that you're speaking to for, you know, because for him to get benched in that Northwestern game and not be in the starting lineup, I'm sure was not very good um, for, you know, from an ego standpoint or from, you know, confidence standpoint for him. So to come back and have the team just in general pull out the win, yeah, I think it showed a huge amount of resolve. And even in that Northwestern game, Odd, when he came in, he played well. He was their best player on the court. And uh, looked a little different. Uh, I wonder, and you, you say there are never moral victories, you never want to lose. But if Michigan State losing that game is going to mean so much to them down the road, if you wouldn't almost say, okay, well, if we have to lose one, we'll lose this one. It's going to help us win four or five more down the road. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I think that and any time a team loses, there's always – Nobody likes to lose, but I think you you learn from losses sometimes more than you do with wins, and um, that's the case for Michigan. I think the case for Michigan State. We had Ian Kress on the show yesterday, and of course <laughs> he was he was at uh, Ford Field Sunday. We talked to him about that, and he also was talking about the MSU FCU uh, Michigan State coaches show you have coming up. And he was talking about something with you and Tom Izzo and some kind of a demonstration. Or uh, Can you tell us anything about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. We had some fun at the Breslin Center this week. Um, you know, thankfully, their schedule's a little bit more lax, I guess. 
And so yeah. with the team shooting nearly 80% from the line right now and yeah. E.J. Hogarth up from 60% to about 80% himself, yeah. we had Izzo guide us through or, or guide me through a tutorial of how he goes about teaching his players uh, free throws <laughs> and how, you know how he properly shows them the technique and yeah. the tidbits and advice that he gives them in order to accurately and correctly shoot a free throw. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. I will say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I had, you know, I had been practicing before he got down there because we were waiting for him to get there for a little bit. And I yeah. had been practicing and, uh, you know, I, I really wasn't in the, the great attire for it. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, I had some high top sneakers on and stuff. And anyway, okay. Uh, okay. but before he got down there, I was like one for nine or 10. It was not very yeah. good. Yeah. Um, and then, when he got down there and he had walked me through a little bit of, you know, like hand placement and foot placement and all of that lined up right there on the line, one for one, run it one and done. <laughs> and then Izzo, then he went through and he was 10 for 10. So we, yeah. as a, as a, as, a, as he liked to call it, as a team, we were 11 for 11, 100% oh, there you on the go. line. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I, I knew that he was an exceptional free throw shooter. Now I know that you are the top free throw shooter of sports directors uh, in Mid Michigan. We can we'll we'll label you as that. Uh, it's interesting because when Judd was the coach and Tom was an assistant for twelve years, Judd's teams were known for very good free throw shooting. And they had a couple of cases where it didn't happen and bit them in NCAA tournaments, but his teams were close to eighty percent. He had one team that was seven nine nine. And he always used to describe a free throw as a jump shot without the jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, yesterday, Izzo even said that he goes, "I like to I like to call it the heat coat way," and the way in which yeah. he was, you know, had the ball like you know right before yeah. you go up to to shoot or to to before it released out of your hands, I should say. Right. You know, he called it the heat coat way of doing it. And then, you know, also bringing up the fact, too, he's like, yeah, I mean, if your team's shooting, you know, nearly 80%, he goes, that's pretty good. That's going to win you a lot of games. And so this, I mean, this is a this is a pretty good segment. I hope people will tune into it because not only is it informative, but, you know, it also gives it just a little bit more look into, you know, his viewpoint of free throws and why he puts so much emphasis on them. And actually, you know, how – Michigan State basketball over the years has put so much emphasis on free throws. Is that 11 o'clock on Saturday? Yeah, 11 Mm a.m. 11 a.m. Okay, good. On WLNF, yes. I will be sure to set uh, the recorder in case uh, I'm doing something else. That's always a great way to catch it. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this season as opposed to last. Uh, Last year, everyone just assumed, hey, you know, football team's going to win a a bunch of games once they got going and, and uh, they were definitely going to be in a bowl. And then they were in a new year six and we were in Atlanta and then they close up with the win over the peach bowl in the peach bowl. What's it like now uh, to kind of go back the way it used to be where you're home watching everybody else and you don't have a bowl game to cover. A little weird. I would say (laughs) not prepping for, you know, bowl game or bowl coverage uh, from that standpoint. Um, I don't know if I would call it sad. I'm not sad about it, I guess. No, no. <laughs> um, but it is just a little different, you know, when last huh? year you were used to, you know, you had to get ready and had to think, okay, well, we're not going to be really around for Christmas time or, 
you know, the holidays too much. But, you know, it, it's, um, it sort of is what it is, I guess. I don't know if I really have a feeling on it either way. I know, uh-huh. you know, Michigan State football fans would love for Michigan State to be in a bowl game right now. But right. Um, it just didn't end up working out for them this year. And, you know, if I, I know, like, you know, the football team right now is really heavily out on the road recruiting because signing right. day, early signing day next week, which is crazy to think about. Um, you know, they're trying to lock in everybody for this, the class this year. But yeah, uh, I think that it will be important for them, though, to get a good class and, um, you know, with everybody leaving from a transfer standpoint sure. and then going to the NFL, just graduation. And, yeah, it, it'll be – I'll be curious to see Wednesday who's part of this class this year. Odd, uh, you only get one of these to cover, a bowl game in warm weather or basketball on the aircraft carrier. Basketball on the aircraft carrier all day. <laughs> yeah, I thought you'd say that. Yeah. Nothing beats and nothing. I mean, nothing. I'm sorry. I nothing. I'm a. I'm more of a basketball. I've always loved college basketball. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter who it is. I've I've always been yeah. more. You know, uh, that's just how I grew up with my dad. And you know, we've just always. Right. It was just always basketball, college basketball. So I always pick basketball over football. Uh, you have fifth quarter Friday night, right? Eleven fifteen. Oh, yeah. It's our last week, actually. Um, you know, we'll have 11 to this week, and then we're on break for the next two weeks for the holiday. Okay. So we won't have a show until the first of next year after this Friday. Do you have a game of the week picked out, or you can't tell us? Uh, not yet. Still trying to figure okay. out where we're going to go. Uh, we gotcha. do have um, some other things in play when it comes to, like, there's some, there's some kettles. The Salvation Army people will be at some games. And oh, yeah. it does kind of line up with some of our bigger games in the area. So okay. um, we may be doing something with them in correlation with our show. So just still trying to figure out right now where we're going to be going. All right. Audrey Dahlgren, your sports director, lead anchor for WLNS Channel 6. We'll see you soon. Yeah, Jack, for sure. Thank you for having me on. I always appreciate it. All right. We'll be right back with Darian Harris, Michigan State Football Office. And uh, he's worn just about every hat you can at this stage of his life. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Just ask our team member, Sarah. When you order a Culver's Butterburger, you're never just a customer. You're a guest in our home. It's why we cook each Butterburger to order just for you. Right down to getting the perfect sear on the beef. That extra care may be a small town thing, but it's big time important to us. Let us serve you with a smile that stretches from our hometown to yours. Welcome to Delicious. When you want Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. They always deliver the best and newest selection of apparel for the whole family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus accessories, Yeti, hats, and all things Spartan. Spartan students, faculty, and military enjoy 10% off in-store every day. Check them out in Lansing or at alumnihall.com to make sure you are game ready. It's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. If your next event or holiday party has you feeling stressed and overwhelmed, don't be. Voted Lansing's best new restaurant by Top of the Town, One North Kitchen and Bar has catering for every occasion from an award-winning chef. 
Book your next event by calling 517-901-5001. One North is the perfect place to get with family and friends for all the big games. Also voted Lansing's best sports bar, they have over 40 TVs, feature scratch cooking, amazing craft cocktails, and the largest draft beer selection in West Lansing. That's One North Kitchen and Bar, where friends and family gather to make good times great. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Evelyn here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graf Chevrolet and Graf Nissan. A lot more traffic out here, and it looks like you got some new inventory coming. Finally, Jack, it's getting there. We're not back to the good old days, but we're certainly getting better. We've got more Chevys, more Nissans than we've had in probably a year. 2023s are starting to hit the ground, so it's a great time to come out and look for a new vehicle. And if you're looking to maintain your current one, don't forget we've got a great service parts and body shop as well. Stop out and see Matt and the gang here on West Grand River in Okemos. They're making friends. Culver's could have only started in Wisconsin. Our team member, Nick, will tell you why. Oh, yeah, that's an easy one. Wisconsin is the dairy state, so naturally, Culver's was inspired by everyone's favorite rich and creamy tradition, frozen custard. We make our fresh frozen custard in small batches in every Culver's. It's a match, or (laughs) batch, made in heaven. Come have a taste of Wisconsin. Welcome to Delicious. Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping experience for Spartan fans with everything you need to show your Michigan State pride. They have the largest and best selection of apparel for the entire family. Nike, Cutter & Buck, Columbia, Champion, plus their two-for-38-dollar tees. And you can't miss their great gifts and accessories. Make sure your family is game ready. Check them out at Lansing's Eastwood Town Center or anytime at alumnihall.com. That's Alumni Hall where Spartan fans shop. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Want to go right back out to our guest line. And waiting patiently, Darian Harris, five-year MSU linebacker. He was co-captain of the 2015 Big Ten Champions, a college football playoff team. 
How many guys can say that they have been part of three uh, teams here that uh, did what Michigan State did in terms of uh, Big Ten championship games in uh, first one in 2011, then 2013, then 2015. Now, Director of Player Relations and Program Enhancement for MSU football. Uh, any other titles I need to add to that, Darian? <laughs> nope, that's that's the only one for now. <laughs> well, a very busy time, even without bowl preparation. Uh, I guess now with the earlier signing date in December, uh, one week from today, when you look at all the portal movement coming and going, and you have to be kind of a, a, a math wizard to make all these numbers add up exactly the way you want. Seems like most teams either have uh, slots they don't fill, or they have uh, more guys than, than they have slots available. But can you talk about what the difference is this December as opposed to what it was a year ago over at the Duffy Doherty building? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, and when not preparing for a for a bowl game, uh, it, it, you know, differs in terms of the, the schedule we have for our, for our current guys. Uh, you know, this is the this is the final week that they have to be in the in the facility. Um, if they finish up final exams, then they, we kind of uh, turn them loose until the the second week of January when school starts back up. So that's definitely a little different. Right. And then from a staff perspective, of course, you know it's all focused on recruiting now, closing out this class. Um, you know, getting the last batch of official visits done uh, in this week, and and then you know also of course with the transfer portal, um, you know, figuring out if if there's other uh, needs we can fill in that regard. So, um, you know, the way that the uh, recruiting calendar is set up is allows for official visits to also take place the first couple weeks of December. So even if we're in a situation where we don't have a bowl game, we're still full speed ahead, um, you know, with recruiting, with recruits, we're getting uh, recruits and their families on campus and, uh, and, and getting ready for 2023. When you don't have a bowl game, especially a game like uh, the – Power Six, uh, New Year's Six game, I should say, uh, last year with Michigan State and Pitt. Uh, difference in motivation, a difference in the ability to monitor how players are doing. Would you guess it'd be like anything else? And some guys will go home and work out and do exactly what the coaches would want, and others will exhale and come back uh, and look like they need a little catch up. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's just kind of the nature of this. Uh... Um, you know, the organization and, and uh, program that, that anybody has is just that you have young men that when you, so to speak, cut them loose, you know, you're relying on them to be responsible and come back yeah. ready to go. You know, at, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the workouts that they're probably going to get in um, during their time off are not going to be at the level that, we're, that they will, they'll get with Coach Novak and his staff when they get back. But obviously, you don't want anybody, you know, going home and um, doing anything that they're not advised to do from a, from a weight gain or loss perspective. Um, yeah. And you want them to come back in as best shape as possible. At the same time, you want them to take some time off, spend some time with family. You know, we just came off of a, of a long season, nonetheless, bowl game or not. Um, you know, had a lot going on this season. Of course, from a, from a mental standpoint, you want these guys to right. take some time. You know, have a little refresher and then come back ready to rock and roll. So. It isn't really about sending them home, but sending them home with a workout and then telling them that they have to hit the weight room, you know, at their high school every single day and get it in. 
It's more of just come back mentally prepared and ready to roll um, because we're going to ramp it up once we hit January. What's it like when guys come back in January? And I guess you can tell uh, who's been cheating and who hasn't. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's it's interesting. You got a a bunch of different crops of guys. You got the, you know, you got last year's freshman group um, where you had a few guys that played, but um, you know, it, most that did not. So, so they're going to come back hungry and uh, also feeling like that that freshman year for them is is over. So now with a, a new group of freshmen coming in, you know, they're going to be like, hey, we're not the young guys anymore. Uh, so that's a, that's a feeling. You know, you have the 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 older players, but who maybe were second string, third string uh, backups who didn't get a lot of clock. You know, kind of seeing their window of opportunity to play narrowing down so they may or at least should come in with a certain level of focus uh then you have your you know your returning starters um who are looking to build off of the year that they had uh good bad or indifferent then you have your small group of leaders who are like okay we can't not be in a bowl game again you know now we're setting our sights on a championship and we're going to try to take the reins of the team from the very get-go because we're always talking about a player-led team the best time to, to create that is off-season training. So you're going to have your leaders who are like, from day one, here's how we're going to do things. And then you're, of course, going to have your small group of folks that do come back a little unmotivated um, and yeah. maybe a little, need a little kick in the pants to get to get going. So there's a lot of different groups, but that's what makes it an enjoyable and excitement and exciting. You know, that that's what makes a football team. Darian, I think we've talked about this before, but one of the things that's different between college football and pro football and college football uh, the strong tend to get stronger in the National Football League. Everything is parity-based from the draft to the schedule to the salary cap, and uh, they want to have a lot of teams bunched together and uh, not the same team winning all the time. But I think when you look at uh, the bowl preparation and the practices that bowl teams get, it accentuates the difference between those teams and the others in their league. Do you think we'll ever get to a point where the NCAA wakes up and says, hey, for the future, we're going to allow the teams that don't play in bowls to have extra practices so that that gap doesn't grow? I, I could I could see that happening. Uh, I think, you know, as we continue to, you know, of course, go towards playoff expansion, you know, which which we've yeah. already seen is, is, uh, is on the horizon, you right. know, you're going to get – now more teams that are are vying for these playoff spots and there's no indication that they're going to get rid of the rest of the bowl games so you know you're still going to have those um and i right. could definitely see it being a a first school you know uh, basis whether you want to continue to practice at least another week you know at least another week yeah. of work because as you know you know it's all about getting the young guys reps and then now some right. of these young guys who didn't get practice reps throughout the season won't get them necessarily until spring ball Darian, when players are coming and going the way that uh, they are now in the portal, and I think we've got over 1,500 players uh, in the portal, so you figure 131 schools, that's uh, more than 11 per school. Uh, When you you look at that, do coaching staffs generally know who is leaving, uh, who has got one foot out the door? And maybe that's kind of a mutual decision. But how often are they surprised by a decision? I'd say every so often. You know, there's there's maybe one or two a year, especially in this day and age. 
maybe even more than that, that do come as a surprise. You know, I think we'd be yeah. um, a, a little naive to think that that doesn't take place just because you don't know kind of always what's going on in the, in the psyche of a, of a student athlete, you know, once they get to the end of the season, what they've been hearing out there, what their support system's telling them in the waiting weeks, you know, when, before the transfer portal opens up, you know, there's a lot more factors and variables that are in play. Um, and it's just, a, it's a different kind of uh, thought process to a lot of different things, whether it's being a student athlete, whether it's working at a, at a job, you know, there's a lot of folks now that are like, Hey, you know, if, if you're not happy, you know, find another opportunity or just yeah. go, go ahead and, 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 and head out the door. And that wasn't the case, you know, years ago, that, that, that's, that's usually not the way that, you know, you kind of been taught to, to do certain things, but it's the new way of doing things uh, nowadays. And it's not right, wrong or indifferent. It just kind of is what it is. So I do think that there are some surprises um, where maybe you would expect that, uh, you know, somebody would be primed for, for a big year the next year uh, at your respective school, but then decides that, you know, maybe this isn't necessarily the best fit for them. Um, and you just have to, you know, provide them with as much information as you can give them. Um, but they're going to have to make decisions uh, on their own accord at the end of the day anyway. So um, I do definitely don't think that you will at least get a few surprises every year, whether you have a, a fantastic season or not. Like it, it really does, isn't always about the wins and losses either. Uh, Izzo was talking about this the other night in one of our late, late night phone calls. And, and he was talking about the guys he had who got numbers hung from the rafters who would have left because they weren't getting time early or they had to learn to be coached and they had to battle through some things. And now maybe uh, players would take the path of least resistance. I was thinking that the same might have been true, Darian, for Mark D'Antonio with the number of guys he had come in who they talk about a developmental program, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Michigan State are the three that are most often mentioned in that paragraph in the Big Ten. And guys you played with who in 2015 were tremendous players who didn't start out that way. Yeah, for sure. You know, I just think that at the end of the day, it's a different day and age. Um, and it also depends on who you have at the helm and kind of what's expected of the program. You know, you look at that developmental way of doing things. Um, I think there's always got to be development in terms of, uh, you know, on and off the field. But, you know, speaking specifically about on the field, there's always going to have to be development, you know, in terms of, you know, whether it's a, a highly rated uh, recruit coming in or not. Um, at the same time, you know, you wonder if that's a sustainable sustainable model. Um, but at the end of the day, we just want really good football players and really great great young men you know off the field yeah. and the development will come with that so um we're all in a win now kind of era yeah you know i think yeah. every single sport is like that no matter the level and yeah. uh you know you have to kind of move accordingly uh, people don't have a lot of patience anymore in terms right. of a, right. a process to, to get to a point where you wait two three four years for a class to really start making an impact darian we're like that as a society it's a microwave society now and everyone yep. wants something now or sooner and uh, you know nobody has the patience to go through the process and I know uh, Mel is always talking about the process the process and and I, I heard that so much from Nick Saban it still resonates mm-hmm. uh, but uh, in terms of name image and likeness uh, people say well what is Michigan State and I, I say the same thing I, 
that I do about attendance and resources and everything else, it's a have. If you have haves and have-nots, Michigan yep. State is definitely a have. But it's not a have-at-all. It's not like uh, some schools, uh, you know, I think about Ohio State and Alabama and uh, the schools that have 100-plus thousand Michigan seat stadiums. And, uh, you know, Michigan State still has to work for everything it gets. And uh, if you want to be part of that process, it's pretty rewarding. And if you don't, maybe this isn't the right place for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk to you a little bit uh, while we can uh, before we're done about some other sports. Because you, more than anyone we have on Press Pass, is what I call an all-sports guy. Uh, I can talk to you about mixed martial arts. I can talk to you about soccer. I can talk to you about uh, the NBA base, but it doesn't matter. Uh, you follow it. Uh, what can you tell us about today's second World Cup semifinal, 2 nothing win for France over Morocco? And what happens in this final with France and Argentina? You know, before you do that, Darian, real quick, this is Rob Bennett. I just want to say, as for uh, as well as a soccer fan, I want to say thank you for putting <laughs> up with Jack and trying to teach him the sport of the world football. So I appreciate that. And, of course, going back to Jack's question, when you look yeah, at Rob the... hasn't been able to do it, so he's hoping <laughs> uh, to do it. I've tried success. the best I can, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, but going into this final, what do you think? I mean, is this Messi's time finally, or is France going to be back-to-back champions for the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, first with, with today's game, I mean, it, it kind of went as, as you expected. You know, Morocco was, was, was outmatched. Uh, out there, and you know that was evident from from the get go. You know, France scoring in, in under five minutes of play. Um, it's it's the final's going to be interesting. You know, this is probably Messi's last shot at getting one. You know, real shot at getting one. Um, I, I think France overall is, is is a better squad. You know, you you got to look at Mbappe is probably the most famous, most popular, most recognizable athlete on the planet right now. And you know, if he were to get his second one. I mean, we're talking about an incredibly rare air, though. So it just yeah. is really, for me, it comes down to, do I want to see this young star get another and, and progress <laughs> to possibly get in, you know, three or four? Or right. does somebody who's in that GOAT, you know, GOAT status like Messi, do I want to see him him get one? Um, and I, I think I'm leaning towards, I, even though I'm a Ronaldo guy, I think I want to see Messi get his one. You know, I love when the, yeah, I like when yeah. the GOATs of the, of the sports get their championships. You know, I think it's deserved, so. Either way, it's going to be an incredible, incredible match. All right. Well, that'll be something to watch. And when is the final? Sunday. Sunday afternoon. Yep. Okay. Uh, afternoon here, or is it afternoon there? Should be should, should be afternoon here. Um, afternoon here. Okay. Yep. I know there's yep. a time difference. Afternoon here. But it uh, can be. Uh, it can will be, be at uh, uh, 10 a.m. actually. So. Okay. Might be okay. afternoon there. Yep. 10 a.m. 10 a.m. here. All right. Yeah. I uh, want to talk for just a minute uh, about uh, the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, Dallas has uh, now established itself as maybe Team B in the National Football Conference behind Philadelphia. And then I saw today that uh, some Cowboys popping off about <laughs> how Jalen Hurts isn't the MVP and he's a system quarterback? And why would you do that? Um, you know, uh, it's a good question. I mean, 
I, I I was having this conversation with uh, one of my friends a couple of days ago when when Zion uh, Williamson threw down that 360 dunk in the, yeah. the the waning seconds of the of that game. I know it's a different sport, obviously, but like I, I don't think sportsmanship necessarily has to uh, uh, be exemplified, in, especially in professional sports. So I think you can say like, hey, why would you say something like that? But at the end of the day, these are pro athletes. You know, mm-hmm. let them speak their mind. Um, now. Okay. Do I think that it's correct? No. Do I think Jalen Hurts is the MVP? Absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. it's he's yeah. borderline running running away with it now. Um, yeah. However, you know, as a rival team and, and player, especially a defensive player, you know, yeah. kind of speak your mind. You know, it is what it is. It makes for, for fun matchup that hopefully we can see maybe in an NFC championship if the seedings work out that way. Well, we'll see if uh, Micah Parsons or A.J. Brown – is the best number 11 on the field when they meet at Jerry World in the rematch. Uh, I have to talk to you a little bit about last night. I don't know if you stayed up for this. I mean, you've got... I unfortunately you, did. Oh. <laughs> you know, it looked like uh, it was going to be pretty convincing win for <clears throat> Boston. And then here come the Lakers and uh, some really strong basketball. Even Russell Westbrook got involved in this, but uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron were brilliant, and the Lakers built a 13-point lead in the closing minutes. Then what happened? Fatigue set in. You know, I think that that's that's going to be their big issue going forward. They are talented enough to to win games, um, talented enough to beat anybody in the league. Uh, but if it comes down to a close one and, and overtime, I mean, once it hit overtime, I knew there was, there was no shot. It's the same thing that happened against the 76ers, uh, yeah. you know, about a week ago on their on their road yeah. road stretch. It's just they're not equipped to do that. And if you have Russ, AD, and Bron playing the entire fourth quarter, that they they're not going to be able to go another five minutes, not at yeah. the level necessary um, to to win a game like that. So it's just. It's just age, you know, kind of, you know, stepping in there. It's father time. It's bound to happen. But they've shown that they do have the ability to, to win against the best of the best. So, first they have to focus, of course, on winning the games to get into the playoffs. I think if they get in from that 7-10 seed, it's going to be tough, you know, because that one one uh, that one game to get in uh, might be a little tough to win. But if they can find a way to somehow get in as a 6, then you might see them make a run. Darian, do you think right now Jason Tatum is the MVP of the NBA? Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. No doubt about it. Well, that would be news to the people in Milwaukee who watched Giannis and to the people who have watched uh, uh, Nikola Jokic all year. I think you could get some pretty good debates going on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, you know, I look at look at the records first and foremost and um, – you know, when you when you look at the way Tatum's playing, especially last night, I mean that that's an MVP, of course, level performance from him last night. Um, I, I got Jason Tatum right now winning it. You also factor in, of course, you know they they, they lost their coach in the off season and yeah. have, and have had a, a, a you know a seamless transition. You know, so it, credit goes all around. So you may have the coach of the year and the MVP on the on the same team. Well, it was just a shock to me the way that davis had played and uh he had played at an mvp level for a few weeks but for him to miss those free throws like he missed four of them in the last two games otherwise they would have two more wins hey rob do you know which team has a better record right now 
Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers or the Oklahoma City Thunder? I'm going to say the Lakers do. I'll have to look. Uh, you'd be wrong. Wow. Okay. Uh, both teams are 11 and 16. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. But something tells me that when I'm watching one of the NBA pregame shows or inside the NBA uh, or listening to talk radio, I'm not going to hear too many segments on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Probably should, though, because the way that uh, Shaq Gillis Alexander is playing, I mean, he should be an all-star starter. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Darian, great talking with you. I should let our listeners know, uh, because most of them really enjoy when you are on Press Pass, that you will be back on for Team 481 this Sunday night. And uh, you can carry that World Cup ball all the way to the goal, I'll tell you that. Uh, (laughs) You'll be on with Mike Griffith. So looking forward to that and a lot of college football talk as well. Sounds great. Thanks, man. All right. I want to thank all of our guests today and uh, lots of recruiting talk, Rob, Uh, probably as much as we have had uh, more than an hour of college football recruiting and portal conversation with Stephen Brooks. It's a great job covering Michigan State football and basketball, 24-7 sports, Spartan Tailgate premium site, and Alan True from 24-7 who is a Midwest recruiting savant and national recruiting expert for 24-7. And you can catch him next Wednesday on BTN. I'm sure they'll have their day-long recruiting coverage, and he is a mainstay for that. Also want to thank Audrey Dahlgren from WLNS Channel 6. Uh, don't forget, besides her 6 and 11 o'clock sportscasts, the fifth quarter Friday night and the coaches show on Saturday morning. And Darian Harris. See you tomorrow, everyone. Have a great night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.